Good morning. Just so you know, I do not come here expecting to speak. Time of preparation here. But there has been some things in my mind. Um, for those of you here for some of Andrew's, where's Andrew? Stuff. Speak. Oh, no. Oh, well, that's good. I will copy his message then. <laughs> the last day he spoke, I wasn't here. So if you think I'm copying part of his message, I might because I'm using a bit of Hebrews. But I missed that day. But last night I was reading scriptures and he encouraged us to read Hebrews. And I said that this morning meeting. And uh, of course I, I, I do, but I, I, but I really enjoyed it this time as I kept reading through and through. Um, certain things stuck in my mind. A lot of some memory, what I've learned before. Can you hear me alright? Am I close up to the mic? We don't have George here, is it? Good. And if you want to turn to Hebrews 11, actually turn to Philippians chapter 2 verse first. We often uh, complain. I do. And um, it's embarrassing. We know from this passage in Philippians chapter 2, I'm not going to go through the whole thing because many of the things I hope we know. If you don't, well, I encourage you to read Philippians through its entirety. But Paul is in prison. And he's encouraging the Philippians to endure suffering. That God's going to work it all out. And suffering is a tough thing. I struggle every day. Suffering and pain, and I'm not going to whine here and complain because, as the same thing, we shouldn't do that. But if you look here at Philippians chapter 2, I'm not going to speak on chapter 2 in the beginning part of the, what we know, but beginning of verse 1, we're going to do a couple of verses here, not the whole passage. It says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, is any fellowship of the Spirit, is any affection or mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. What's he asking them to do here? He's in prison here, and they're all concerned about him, and he could die, and he's going to... Well, his persecution was so difficult. He got stoned, he got beaten, he got persecuted by friends... And so our Lord was persecuted in another way, a spiritual one that he affected the emotions and, and the ability to accept the rejection of his people. It was hard. He went through it. And so I'm going to look at that a bit and how he endured. So it says here, verse 3, that nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out 
not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And I think we live in a very self-centered world. We always think about ourselves and what affects us, and we base a lot of what we do and how we feel rather than what Scripture says. And that's wrong. We have to realize that this home is not, this place here is not our home. We are citizens of heaven. And if we focus on Jesus Christ, and really that's part of the message here too, focusing on Christ will get us through the difficult times. And every one of you here, I can bet you can say, either you're going through a difficult time now, or you just went through it. I don't think there's anybody who can say that they haven't. And therefore, this is applicable for all of us, and the reason this is written is for us. So what's he say in verse 5? Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And I'm not going to read the verses that follow, because many of us heard those verses, that he came from heaven down to earth, he humbled himself, and he endured a lot of suffering. And he's our example for suffering. And why is that so important? Well, if you remember in Numbers, it tells us of how the Israelites, when they went through the wilderness, and they complained. And every time the Lord showed them amazing miracles, parting the sea, doing so many good things, as soon as they got through the suffering, what did they do next? They complained. Not, not enough food, not enough water. And you think going through a desert, well, that's a pretty good excuse. I would think so. But I'm human. See, their lack of trust in the Lord that He will get you through is our problem. Because we look at what affects us rather than the Lord's big picture. The Lord's big picture is what we need to look at. The Lord Jesus Christ is who we need to focus on, and that's how we get through suffering. Now, here's a guy in a wheelchair talking about suffering. Well, isn't that a natural thing to do? It's more than that. To every one of you, this mind is more obvious. Right? You look at me and go, oh, you know, it must be hard. Well, I think some of you might be going to harder things that I'm going through than in the wheelchair. So, suffering is a part of what is expected. And what the Lord looks at is not that He wants to see us suffer, that we can enjoy suffering like He did. Just enjoy it. But He looks at us and says, what are you going to learn from yourself? How are you going to draw closer to me through your suffering? Are you going to be more obedient after the trial? Or are you going to walk away? And some have walked away. Can't get through this suffering. Then you go off and wander into the world and have to discover that the world, hopefully, will not be attractive anymore. I have an advantage over you. I already know what not over you every one of you, but I have an advantage somewhat that I know what the world's like. I've been in it. I hate to see you become a believer and grow up in the assembly and have everything really nice in the church and have a nice Christian family and then decide, well, I'm a teenager now, I'm independent, and I'm going to find out what the world's like. It's not a good plan. It's hard. But the Lord is not going to forget you. See, He has a purpose for each one of us. And that is verse 12. Therefore, as a result of what the Lord Jesus Christ did, as a result of him humbling himself, coming from heaven to earth, as a result of all these verses beforehand, and I hope you do know them, it says this, Therefore, my beloved, 
as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That does not mean you lose your salvation. I love the way Colin Anderson um, told me about this verse. His thoughts were this, like, you know, when you're, you get out in a boat and you go row for a certain distance, and all of a sudden the storm comes, right? And your boat is going all terrible, and you don't know how you're going to get back to shore. The Savior comes, someone comes, Coast Guard, whatever. And they get in the boat with you. He said, I'm going to lead you to shore. You didn't stop the storm. But they went back to the shore, and the waves were rough, and the journey was hard. But your salvation was sure, and the person that's in the boat with you. Work out your own salvation. That's what it's doing. Because when we get saved, it's great. I used to, when I was first saved, I said this numerous times. When I first saved, I was rejoicing the fact I got saved out of the world. Because it, it, it was going to chew me out, spit me out. I knew that I would die eventually if I kept living that life. And my friends have. When I got saved, I thought, oh, this is great. Everything's going to be wonderful. And those souls playing out. I said, well, you know, Peter, it's not going to be easy being a Christian. I said, what? Are you kidding me? You know what I've been through? It's not going to be easy as a Christian. But I think we're, we have a head. It's going to be hard. Harder than it ever has been especially in this country, and I'll get back to that later. But it says here that we do it with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, when you go down in the boat, and it's rough waters, the storm continues, trust in the navigator, and the one that's going to take you there. And I say, trust in him. He's got a plan, and he's going to work on your heart. And it's going to be painful. But it's going to be glorious. Because the closer you draw to Him, the more you will enjoy His presence, His love, and you'll see His grace. I, I, I like that world. I think, I don't know, you know, some of you know that sometimes I get in the newspaper. Not by choice, by the way. I have some people in this assembly that can show me pictures. It's great, I appreciate that. Except this one picture is with this. It's a profile. Worst picture in my entire life is there in a newspaper, a profile, and I saw what I looked like. <laughs> I've been on diet pets, by the way, and I've lost a few pounds. And I was shocked because I never really saw what it would look like. The mirrors go up to, you know, I'm short, so I don't get to stand in front of the mirror. They go up there, and I look, oh. I saw my, a different perspective of who I was physically. I didn't like it. And the Lord wants to show us his perspective, yet at the same time, he wants to be that navigator to draw you to the shore. He wants to bring your heart closer to him. And draw you to him. And how does he do that? By giving us everything we want? Those of us who have children would say, well, that's not the way to do it. It's true. 
He wants to do it. And he has to do it by suffering, because by suffering, we are learning to depend on him more. Do you think Paul in prison didn't wonder, Lord, where are you? Through this trial. Verse 14 says, Do all things without complaining and disputing. This is after he talks about the Lord and what he did. But he never complained. He's our example. Do all things without complaining or disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. That's what it's about. When you have things going well, or you give the facade to your neighbors that things are great. Is that what God wants? Or does he want you to deal with it? Allowing him to go, let you go through a trial and learn to depend on him. You know, our neighbors sometimes want to hear that he's going through struggles too. Because when everything's going fine, well, it's easy to say, oh, you're happy because things are going fine. But when things get rocky, are you, oh, I can't believe this happened. I don't like this. Or are you saying, you know what? I have faith in my advocate. My advocate. He's my joy, and really, circumstances around me are not what's important. Because he will draw me out of this trial. He will take me to that shore. And he'll give me peace in my heart. And when that joy as a light in a dark world shines, your neighbors will ask you, why are you so happy? I heard about your problems. His neighbors thought. Like, oh, do they talk? And it's very important that God wants us to shine as lights in the world. And it says in verse 16, Holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain and labored in vain. In other words, you need to shine as a light, not running as if it's a time you're just putting in time. But you're demonstrating light to a dark world that needs hope. So verse 17 said, Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason you also will be glad and rejoice with me. Now can you imagine being with Philippi and you're getting this letter from Paul he's talking about rejoicing and it went to, I'm sure Philippi, he wrote that for a reason because they were probably disputing, they were probably complaining, they were probably well, they're probably like every other church in, in Canada or in the world. And he went, what? Tell me to rejoice? This is tough going. You fall. Oh, he's in prison. He, yeah, I guess he does know what it's like to suffer. And rejoice in suffering. That's hard. You know, he talked about the road to you know, going to shore in a boat. And he talked about the road is tough, tough, you know, the pathway. My life is hard. Yeah, I live on off Romeo Street in Stratford. Anybody know Romeo Street in Stratford? Drove on it. Hasn't been repaved in a long time. One day I was out in the neighborhood because some of my neighbors know that I'm involved with the city quite a bit. And um, 
one neighbor came right up to me. I got out of the van, and sure enough, he, he's coming down the street, so I don't know, he's waiting for me by the window or what. But he comes up to me, Peter, you gotta talk about this city, about this road, Romeo, the trucks go over it, it's bumpy, it's noisy. Ah! Oh, can you do anything about it? I said, what am I gonna do about the road? I, I don't have to do so much. I said, but I do actually talk to the guy who tells us what's going to be done. And I know on Romeo there's a bridge there by the country club and has a huge pit it was just off the bridge. And I hit it and my chair stops immediately and I have to grab on. And I told him a couple years ago, will you fix that bridge so the, the workers just kind of put a little patchwork on it? It lasted a week. It's a terrible job. I said, can you fix that? Well, you know what? They put patchwork all over Romeo Street. And I remember one of the city councilors saying, you did a good job on the patchwork. See, they're trying to save money. And we have, it's a truck group. So we have a truck group going. And this one part that they did work on is McCarthy and Romeo. And every time the trucks fly, and they fly. Now, Kevin Yancey would never do that. He's not here, so. He haunts his horn at me. Drives by my house. Whole truck rattles, and that's the only truck I hear. Every time a truck goes by, it rattles on that one spot. Oh, this road! It's tough. But it's all our perspective, isn't it? See, Paul's writing from prison here, telling them to rejoice, and they must think, "Oh no!" Well, recently my son started watching the show Journeys. Uh, worst journeys in the world. Now it sounds like a weird reality show, or whatever. It, it's not. It's very interesting, and it shows people in different countries that have to transport things and make a living by taxing people to get far away on a mud road that the pits are so deep that they have Russian army trucks in the 40s that are carrying huge bamboo shoots. They have pathways that they unimaginable to think that they actually can do this. And they do it regularly for a few pennies so they can barely feed their family. You know what's on their face? A big smile. You can't think, what? How can they smile? How can they be happy over this horrible life they're living? I mean, and here in Canada, we complain about Romeo Street. What's my point? The point is, the world can smile on a road that's rough, but a Christian smiling on a road to heaven. Are we that light that shines in our neighborhood? Are we that joy that we have in the Lord? Are we looking that our citizenship is in heaven, or are we just so self-focused? Are we praying for one another? Are we corporately praying for one another? Are we having a desire to stop looking at ourselves and start thinking about like Colin Prison who's rejoicing over after rejoice? Or a Lord who came and humbled himself from heaven to earth? Let's look at Hebrews 11 for a second. It's our perspective on life. And what's so important about our perspective on life is that we have the same mind of Christ. And Paul has learned that. 
through his suffering and his persecution, his perspective on his life is that it really doesn't matter if they killed me. To live as Christ, to die is gain. That's the attitude we need to have. I have that hanging on my garage wall. So every time the garage door is left open, they see that. And I hope they see that. Now i got to live it, though. That's a tougher part. Living it. And we need to live it so that people can see that light that shines. And the Lord Jesus Christ talks about that in Matthew. But here in Hebrews 11, of course, it's the faith chapter. I went to a Steve Green concert. I don't go to concerts. You probably all know me that I'm not one for contemporary Christian music or anything. I'm sorry, I'm old. I just, I guess what I listened to this morning. Elvis Presley singing in the hymns. You want to hear good hymn singing. You amazed how good it is. I listened to Amazing Grace. And I thought, um, oh, his life didn't show it. The way he sang it, it sounded like he meant it. And we have to think about amazing grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here, the faith chapter, I listened to Steve Green, and the thing I came out of the concert, and he's got a beautiful voice and everything, you know, and I came out of that concert and saying, that was, I didn't say that was a great concert. What he did in the concert affected my life. I'll tell you what he did. In the middle of the concert, he recited Hebrews 11 by memory. He said, I've been working on memorizing, and in Hebrews 11, I have memorized. And he didn't recite it. Like, this is quite a thing to do, because there's a lot of people there. I get, I memorize a lot of verses, but I always read them, because I'm always scared I'm going to mess up. And there he's reciting Hebrews 11, and I listened with awe. Now, I have read it many times, but I've never heard it like this before. It was just like words spoke so much to me that I went home and I decided I'm going to memorize Hebrews 11, which I ended up doing a number of years ago. And it really taught me that it's my faith, not just salvation, but trusting in everything through trials and troubles. Because look at these verses in verse 30 of Hebrews 11. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot. Now that's where we kind of fit in. The harlot. Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies of peace. You know the story. She she risked her risked her lives in her own city. Thirty two. And what more shall I say? For the time would not fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong. And you are already, I'm tired. Already, look what they endured. And it was in weakness they were made strong, not in 
Ooh, I'm powerful, I can do it. It was when they became weak. Became valiant in battle, turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. What did they look for? Better resurrection. They saw their children raised from the dead, but they said, but there's more ahead. More ahead. The shore is ahead. And we're still waiting on that shore. The 36. Still others had trials of mocking and scourging, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned and they were sawn in two. Were tempted, were slain with the sword. They were wandering about in sheepskins, goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world has not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. It was still not given. But they knew it. And they're willing to risk their lives for the sake. Nothing would make them waver. What made them so strong? I believe that they had a lot of others who were the same like-mindedness. That they knew the Lord was in control. And how did they get that? Well, probably praying together. Encouraging one another. Because the next couple of verses are again one of the ones I memorized and kind of made it my life verse, I guess. I have a few of them, probably too many. Therefore, we also. Sorry, I should have read 40. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Well, God has something better. And so therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Sure. Look to Him. That's what's going to get us through. For the, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. And that's what gets you. Look to Him. The reason I have to read that, I memorize that in King James Version. Run with patience. King James, I like that. In other words, be waiting upon Him for your trials and your troubles. For consider Him who endured such hostility for sinners against Himself as to become weary and discouraged in your souls. So he doesn't want you to be discouraged. He doesn't want you to say, Oh, God, where are you? He wants to say, God, you're there. I trust you. See, the one thing that God, really, Scripture clearly shows us that unbelief, not just in salvation, but in our life walk, in our walk, in our journey with Him, it's rough. And he gives us those things in order that we learn to trust in him. It's a journey, people. And if you don't expect bumps like that elder told me, Peter, the Christian's life 
It's not that easy. You know what? It's right. I've gone through a lot of stuff in Christian life. And before, I thought, oh, well, it was easy. You just drink your sorrows away and party your way, and you don't think about them, and they come back a little later on. But as a Christian, we have to be considering him that we reflect his, his light, reflect his mind, and demonstrate it by one another. If we don't want to get together as a church, as a body of Christ, if we don't want to get together as a local church to pray, what's wrong with Is it the church's fault? The elders? Busyness? Or your heart? What's he going to do? What is the Lord going to do in order to get our attention, to get us back to himself? Get into the fellowship of believers. Get into praying together. Get into studying His Word. What is He going to do? So, He has an answer. 12 and 18. Please do not come to the mountain that you may touch, be touched, that burns with fire into the blackness and darkness and tempest. And the sound of the trumpet and the voice of words. He's going back to the time where the Israelites couldn't even approach the mountain. Yet we have access to him as a local church all the time. And Sunday morning we gather together to remember him. Thursday night we get together for prayer and Bible teaching. Tonight we get together for more Bible teaching. But these people couldn't even access. They go to the mountain and they touch the mountain and die. Aren't you glad you don't live in that day? By grace we saved through faith. It's that wonderful joy that we have when we trust in him. And it says, verse 20, For they could not endure what was commanded, and if so much as the beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. God tells it, well, you go up to that mountain. He's expecting us to go through that journey. And Moses is told to a mountain where any animal touched, they would be Pride. Moses had to go by faith, didn't he? Knowing very well he's going to approach a holy God and he's got a bunch of people who are not acting as they should. Verse 21. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I'm exceeding afraid and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God in heavenly Jerusalem to an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood that's sprinkling that speaks better things than that of him. So we have a mediator. We have a God. We have a Lord who's going to care for us. And it says earlier, verse 7, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with his sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? So he's going to chasten us so he can draw us near to him. And through those trials, we can look to see how he delivered us through them. The road is bumpy, but I'm going to get to at the end of Romeo Street. You know, um, many of us know Carrie Wagler. She posted, I don't know if you've seen it on Facebook, Africa, and um, it's really, it's really 
digging of wells, I still appreciate much more the more I read about it. But she posted some video that, um, I don't know if you've seen it. But anyways, the pictures show, and, and she describes how they went down there and built a well, and it wasn't working. It didn't work. as it, And while they were down there, a lady went to the river to get water. Now, this water is not clean water. Pretty dirty. But that's not the big problem. The problem is the crocodiles that are in it. And on a regular basis, their only access to water is wander a distance to get muddy water to drink, to bathe. With the danger of being eaten by a crocodile, I'm not exaggerating. You know. They don't even have water. And while they were down there, there a, a woman was taken, they watched her as she was taken into the river. And yeah, the, that was one of the two. And they have, she showed a video of this homemade canoe, a piece of wood that was dug out. And there they are in a really dangerous canoe. Two men going against the river, going as hard as they can, looking for the body. Now normally they would only find the body parts. And the crocodile, they rip it apart. But sometimes they store it, right? For later. And they found her. She's dead, of course. And we complain. Yet, the work that needs to be done is so great. Spiritually, the Lord wants to use us in so many ways. What is your mission? is to get closer to the Lord and allow Him to speak to your heart on what you need to do. We live in a country that's very blessed. We live in a place that's very rich. But this is not the normal world because most of the world is poor. They can't even get water. There's one show I watched on CBC News about Africa, South Africa. They're out of water. That country, which is fairly rich and fairly poor, they have both extremes. And they actually have to go, and the rich people can easily access water, but they're only allowed 50 gallons a day, and they take lots of water. It's not a lot. The shower will be that easy. Um, and they were talking, interviewing people, saying, "Well, I only can shower once a week." And so the poor were all lining up in those ghettos. And if you ever see the South African ghetto, it's pretty miserable. <coughs> and they line up, and, and they can barely drink water. And the whole story of the CBC News is that's what it's going to be like soon. People need hope. And it's not in this world. People need the living water. They need Jesus Christ. And if we don't reflect His glory in the life we live down here, and we whine over the suffering, turn to Peter for Peter, I won't go over time. I shouldn't go over time after all you've done this. If we keep focused on him, these people were suffering here. Peter was writing to him, and he says this in verse 3 of 1 Peter chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy, and this is mercy, it's not a God who wants to hurt people or whatever, 
When trials come, that's how many of us come to Christ. When trials in a Christian life, it draws you closer to Christ and reflects His glory that He, if we do it through joy like Paul, they see us. And they say, what do you have? Because when I go through what you're going through, I fall apart. They're looking for that anchor. They're looking for someone to give them hope and life. Can you imagine going to the water and like at the well in the South Africa and saying, Ah, the Lord, I know where you can find living water. You're South familiar? John chapter 4. We have living water and we have to demonstrate the light. So, Peter continues. Gives us abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's our hope. A risen Savior, not a dead Buddha. Do we tell people? Do we live it? To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Do you think about it? You have a place in heaven reserved. Past tense, it's yours. Do you want to hold on to it? Or do you... We need to focus on that through the trials, don't we? That this is not the life. This is just the stopping ground for the Lord to work on me so I can be less thinking about me and more thinking about Him and the purpose that He's given me in my life. I always say this a lot of times. You'll say, you know, oh, it's tough to be in a wheelchair. You know, I tell them, well, you know what? I would never wish this on myself. But I'm so thankful He gave it to me. Think that the trial you had, and I'm not saying this to be proud. Well, look at me; I can take a wheelchair, and I don't think that way. What I think is, you know what? I would never have chosen this life. But the opportunities you have with a disability, whatever you have, whatever God has given you, whatever trial has given you, He's given it to you for a purpose. Whether it's to chasten, to draw you closer to Him, or whether it's to glorify His name. And show how much joy, like Paul, you can have in prison. And you can reflect on the neighbors and come to you and say, I don't get it. What do you have? I have an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away. Reserved in heaven. And look at this, verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So, what, knowing this, what should you do? Well, verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice. Same as Paul said. Right? You rejoice. You don't worry about a circumstance. You didn't worry about the prison. You didn't worry about anything. You greatly rejoice. Everybody should be smiling right now. They're not. <laughs> you have that hope in heaven. And I love it. Though now for a little while, if need be, you are being grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, and that's the that's genuineness of your faith, is that faith real? Being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, 
may it be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of the revealing of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, same as before, like remember when people said, they, they didn't see it. They never, the promises weren't fully fulfilled. It was when they will in the future. You haven't seen him, yet you believe. And rejoice with, inex, with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully. He prophesied with grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who is in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that followed. Isn't that nice? As a Christian, we should reach this. As a Christian, we have hope. And a Christian, we have love. And it's agape love. Eternal love. Well, even if we fail, he picks us up. Or it corrects us. Whatever it is, we know his great theme is and it may involve suffering with them, trials and a bumpy road or a rough sea. He's going to get you to that shore or the end of Romeo Street and you're going to be rejoicing when you get there. God who loves you in heaven and will demonstrate his love by giving of it from the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we come Sunday morning to remember him. And rejoice. And that's why we pray together on Thursday. Because the more you have a desire to love Him, the more you have a desire to love His saints and to be with Him. Because Thursday, what do we usually bring up? Trials. We would pray one for another. And that's the love that Christ would have for us. That's how they will know you are my disciple when you love one another. And they demonstrate that love by praying together, encouraging one another, and being as a local body of Christ, and being Christ-like as light to this community that they might know. Let's pray.